Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to a new episode of Worlds Collide, the podcast where I talk to people who moved abroad. And this episode is about studying abroad. It's actually such a big topic um, about moving abroad in general. It's like the first step to dip your feet into a new place, kind of. And um, yeah, in this episode, my guest is Abby from the US. And she talks about why she wanted to study abroad and how it was for her. So we have recorded this episode a few months ago. That was before I watched the final season of The Crown because otherwise I would have been familiar with the place she went to. Yeah, she went to St. Andrews in Scotland. Yeah, duh, me for not knowing the place. But now I do. And it sounds amazing. <laughs> But also we talk about moving back to the U.S. after being away for such a long time and how that experience was for her. And Abby has a YouTube channel called Political Psych with Abby and you will find the link in my show notes. But here is the interview. Hi, Abby. How are you today? I'm good. And you? I'm good, too. Thank you for being on my podcast. Um, where, where are you from originally? Uh, so I'm originally from a suburb of Boston, um, uh -huh. in Massachusetts in the U.S. Okay, but you want to talk about your time in the U.K.? Yeah, uh, uh -huh. so when I was 18, I moved to St. Andrews, Scotland to go to college. Okay, where uh, is St. Andrews? It's like an hour and a bit from Edinburgh. It's okay. on the coast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's this really beautiful medieval town with like, I mean, it's got a really old university and it's got um, like a ruined castle and a mm -hmm. cathedral and it's, it's, and cliffs overlooking the ocean. It's just gorgeous. It sounds like Scotland, like how you imagine it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. storybook pretty. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh -huh. And and um and why did you choose Scotland? Yeah, so I mean it's interesting because I think it's it's more that I like I chose the the university right um, because I was apply you know I was doing the the standard college application process mm -hmm. um, and I did apply some places in the U.S. too actually a lot of places I probably applied to too many places oh okay um, but I also did the thing they have in the U.K. where you apply to five universities and you only have to do like one fee and um, take I don't know there's not even an additional test they take like your AP scores instead of your A levels which what is what it would be if you were British mm -hmm. um And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. I applied to Oxford, too. And there's a whole bunch of extra stuff for Oxford and Cambridge. But we don't have to get into that. Okay. Um, and I was, um, I'd been given advice by um, a now, unfortunately, former friend of my mother's um, mm -hmm. that he basically said, like, when I was in high school, he was like, okay, you're really intellectually curious. You have these good test scores and you write good essays. Um But your grades aren't totally perfect and like it varies a lot subject to subject, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and UK universities, they, they want you to be well-rounded, but they don't expect you to be as like perfectly well-rounded, good at every subject as okay. American universities, right? Uh-huh, okay. Um, 
Also, uh, my mom's a professor here in the U.S. Ah, uh-huh. and I wanted to go somewhere where she wouldn't know people and where I wasn't, you know, right. because I was already a little bit jaded to the American university system, even mm. at the, because I had grown up around universities, right? Okay. Um, and obviously, um, coming from the Boston area, there are so many universities around there. I didn't apply anywhere within 300 miles of Boston, basically. Like, I think okay. the closest place I applied was like Virginia uh-huh. um, and so the UK it was like yay I got to go far and experience something totally different and get to have an adventure and it's uh it depends on where in the U.S. and if I had had a scholarship but for me it definitely didn't end up being like a worse financial decision to go there yeah but yeah I guess and, and nobody knew your mother <laughs> no actually no there was like one professor in an totally different department who would work with my mother but like okay like uh my my undergrad was psychology and modern history and my mom's a physicist so like okay like i had lunch with this this woman like a couple times and she was super nice and i had a tough time my freshman year and she helped me settle in and everything so it was actually good that she was there but like she absolutely wasn't one of my professors or anything um but it was funny that there was still someone who my mom (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah um but no, it was it was a wonderful experience. So that's sort of why I moved to the UK. Um, and then I stayed in the UK for another year after undergrad. I was doing a master's in, in political psychology. Um, and that one was more geographically nebulous because it was during the pandemic. Okay. Um, were they were they both um, right next to each other or like? Um, oh, no. Or was it like a break when you went back to the U.S.? Oh, you mean in time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did go to the U.S. for a little bit in the summer of 2020, which was really weird because, like, no one was traveling. Um, right, yeah. I was a U.S. citizen with a U.K. visa. I could, and I had family to see and everything. But, yeah, so I went back for the summer, but I basically went straight into a master's after undergrad. <laughs> Okay. And so when you first came to Scotland, what was your reaction like? Because you just mentioned you kind of had a hard time in the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, I had been to Scotland before and I had even been to St. Andrews before. Um, Being the kid of an academic, I got to travel a lot growing up, especially Mm -hmm. in Europe. Um, So I had been to St. Andrews when I was like 11 and then I had come back there again to like tour colleges. Um, So I knew the place. Okay. Um, And it wasn't like a huge culture shock moving to the UK from like most of the U S because honestly, I think that there are parts of the U S that are less like the East coast, less like Boston than the UK is, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I think, Probably especially like on the East Coast, New England. Yeah. You there are probably places where you can relate. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I did have a lot of trouble settling in my, my first year though, because I mean it was the first time I had had to make like all new friends mm. t- since I was like literally like nine or ten years old. Right. Yes. Um and I wasn't like a super happy person in middle or high school. Uh, honestly, I was kind of a killjoy most of my childhood. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I had sort of been waiting for college for my life to really start and to really start enjoying things. And I put way too much pressure on myself to make all these friends and have all this fun just like immediately where it sort of gave me this like 
existential crisis and I like I had a series of panic attacks oh god no oh no (laughs) yeah which was that was that was a total nightmare um so I mean it's good that um it was really good that um my mom's uh friend was there because it they they had to bring me to the doctor's office okay sure you did not know how that works yeah completely different yeah 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 I mean I hadn't really navigated anything medical on my own right because I was like Mm. 18 um and yeah so that was really difficult I mean honestly I think I probably would have had the same experience or a very similar experience at basically any college okay like I don't think it was really caused by being in the UK if that makes sense okay so you would have had the same experience if you were in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think maybe if I had gone to college, like really close to my family, I would have had the option to like retreat to my family rather than like forcing myself to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad that I forced myself to keep going. Right. And that I couldn't just go home. Yeah. And how uh, long were you in Scotland for? Four years. For four years. That's quite a time. Yeah, I mean, the issue with the panic attacks and stuff, like, that only went on for a couple of months. Like, by the end of my first semester, I was basically fine. Okay. <laughs> and you're yeah. fully acclimated. Yeah, no, and I, I really loved living there and everything. And I went home for a lot of vacations and stuff. So it's not like I didn't see my family for four years. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you said there was not a lot of culture shock because you already went a few times before. But was it total? but was it different living there than visiting oh no it's definitely different living somewhere than visiting somewhere and one thing that's really funny to me is like a lot of people were like oh I get it I've done a study abroad and I'm like no you did a semester surrounded by other like Americans Mm -hmm. like I I lived a place right these are different but not disparaging study abroads or whatever I think that's like an awesome thing but it's totally it's a different yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah um so yeah no I mean there was there was some difference I think that I mean it's tough because it was also like my first time really living independently so it's it's right. tough to say like which was from which right right um but no I mean there was definitely well one thing that I thought was really f- interesting is so British people are generally a little less outgoing than than uh-huh. Americans, um, but they expect Americans to be outgoing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that kind of forced me out of my shell a little bit. And one thing that's sort of nice is if you're in a position where you are a foreigner, it's almost a little bit liberating because you can be a little bit weird and people will assume that it's a cultural thing rather than you being like a total weirdo. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that was sort of good. Um. And I guess the other things are like, I don't know. It wasn't so much like culture shock. I mean, I had to get used to like the grocery stores are way smaller, but I honestly like that better. Um. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess I don't know. The food took some getting used to, but mostly it was the food in dorms that I didn't like. Like Scottish mm-hmm. food is actually okay, especially if you're in a place like St. Andrews, because the ingredients are all really fresh. So it doesn't okay. have to be that complicated because the food's very good quality. Uh-huh. 
Um, but like if you're in a dorm, the food's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, maybe especially, that's part of the dorm if, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially if you're like me and like I, so I don't eat, uh, at the time I just didn't eat beef, but like now I don't eat mammals at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of, a lot of that is for, for health reasons. And I didn't necessarily have like the same health stuff at the time, but I've never been able to ju- digest meat that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was tough, honestly. It was like, because. Was, was there just like limited options? Yeah, very limited options. Uh-huh. Like in the dorms, there was usually maybe like one vegetarian option per meal. And there were three types of potatoes. And sometimes the vegetarian option would just be an additional type of potatoes. Right. Okay. So you had or like four potato dishes on your plate. Yeah. Or the vegetarian <laughs> option would involve like a lot of beans. And I really don't like beans. Oh, yeah. Great. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I guess that was sort of the main stuff. I guess. I mean... Um, also, I mean, it was really nice to get to experience universal healthcare for the first time. Mm. Like that, that was a really big change. Not so much like culture shock. It's just like a, a really nice thing. It was almost more of a culture shock coming back to the U S and having uh-huh. to deal with care here. Yeah. I'm very lucky in that my mom has very good health insurance from work and has had it my entire life. Yeah. And you know, she would go with me to medical appointments when I was a child. Right. So I didn't really have to deal with it so mm-hmm. much. Like, when I was actually a kid. But then I moved back to the U.S. when I was 23, mm-hmm. having never lived here full time as an adult and like having never really navigated the American healthcare system for myself. Right. And like, here I am. I'm an adult. I have an American accent. I have no idea what's going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I took to having, I think I mostly get it now, but like I had to explain to like people in medical offices, I was like, hey, I used to live in the UK. They do things totally differently. I don't know how to do your forms. Please help me. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's always um, the same form over and over. <laughs> it is. It is. It's crazy. I mean, it definitely made me like, I was never really like against universal healthcare, but I definitely became like more for it living in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And the NHS is like hardly a perfect system. It's, it's, you know, it's very underfunded, but it's, it's a lot better than the American system. So how did you have um, insurance in Scotland? Does every student has it automatically when, when they come? Yeah. Well, so the way it works in the UK is basically, well, I mean, there are some people who are like, who really hate immigrants and stuff who are like trying to change this, but mostly it's, if you are a person, you will receive healthcare or you're supposed to because of they have universal health care. Okay. Um, as part of a student visa, you have to pay a fee to be on the universal health care. Um, but that's basically, it's like a flat fee and it's supposed to subsidize the health care system. It's like a way mm-hmm. the government makes money. But even that amount of money, which was supposed to be like a, not just paying for my health care, but like subsidizing other people's health care was still way, way less than like my mom was paying for me for healthcare in the US. Yeah, right. But, um, but mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, I, I, I had to keep my American healthcare going so that like when I because I would be home for like a couple of months each year, right. do you want to have it? Just in case. Stuff, I still have to have it. Like, what's really awful is there was this girl who I knew during my master's who was American, who basically couldn't go back to the US, partially because this was during the pandemic where, you know, the chances that you're going to get really sick and end up in hospital. Mm, yeah. Way higher. 
um, who couldn't go home because she couldn't afford to get supplemental health insurance for being in the U.S. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, which is just, just awful. How long was it in between your master's or like between England and Scotland? Well, basically, um, well, it's all a bit complicated because during the last like month or two of my undergrad, COVID hit. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I prolonged my stay in Scotland a little bit. I actually moved in with my then boyfriend, now husband, because it was a choice of like, move in together or possibly be separated forever yeah um, yeah we had, we made the right decision but like it was it was dramatic um oh, I bet. yeah so we stayed in scotland for a little bit longer um and then i went back to the u.s for a little while to visit family but like maybe like eight weeks and then i went back to the mm -hmm. uk and so my my master's was in canterbury um mm -hmm. in england and i did like have an a, a room there But I actually spent a lot of the time that year with my um, with my husband's family okay. uh, because my, all my classes ended up being online and right. a completely empty university campus is a really mm -hmm. great place to be. Um, and my husband was still finishing up his undergrad and a lot of his classes were online too. So okay. we spent some time in like his parents' place in London, but right at the start of the pandemic, they bought a place in Hastings, um, which like wasn't renovated at all. It was a super, super old house. And I was so glad they bought it because their place in London is, is lovely, but did not have room for enough, like right. for um, everything. I imagine yeah. it's really tiny. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's a very nice house, but like, um, My, to give you an idea, like my, my husband's childhood bedroom has like a, a very narrow twin bed in it and you can just about stand next to it with the door closed. Yeah. Yeah. I can't like, imagine. Yeah. Not <laughs> Tiny, small. Yeah. No, like when we were, we stayed with them a bit during the pandemic and like I was sleeping in, um, my, my husband's parents' office, which was not a tenable situation because, um his mom is like a lawyer for the government and his dad is a doctor not doing stuff re directly related to covid but let's just say they were both very busy yeah. um and needed that home office um right oh, but I what see. i was gonna say so we mostly spent most of the time during the pandemic in hastings um okay. even though my master's was in was in canterbury um so i would say i mean I basically lived there continuously, right, from my undergrad to my master's. Right. I went home in between, but there, like, was never a time where I didn't have a UK visa, if you know what I mean. Okay. And yeah. and what was your decision then of going back to the US? Yeah. Um. So, basically, I didn't actually know that there was a, like, very new program that, because I did a master's, would have allowed me to stay in the UK and work. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't aware of it. So, uh, okay. we, uh, and there are times where I regret not having been aware of it, but, um, okay. so we moved to the U S um, basically the thinking at the time. So my husband ended up not really going into academia, but the thing at the time was that he was going to go into academia. Okay. Um, and he was going to do, he's going to do a master's and 
if you're going to like work in academia, the U.S. is arguably a little bit better for that. And I'm very interested in politics and specifically American politics. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be in the U.S. for that. Okay. Um, so we were thinking, okay, like I'll work in the U.S. and um, you don't need to get a visa because you're, you won't need to get like an additional visa because you're in school and that comes with a visa if you just get in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did a master's, um, in here in Chicago. Um, and that's, that's why we moved to Chicago. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so basically like he came to the U S for me, for me, but I came to Chicago for him, but I love Chicago as a city. So I was really uh-huh. glad. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the whole, because he is British, so, so I, I, I'm just always thinking when I'm talking to people with, um, relationships from two different places, it's like, um, marriage comes up really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and since your, your husband was not American. Yeah. It was- uh, yeah. I mean, we basically like near the end of his master's we were like okay so we're definitely we definitely want to get married we should get married quickly because we also need to do all the visa stuff that has to do with getting married because and it was a complicated case because he needed to transfer from like student visa stuff and then the extension you get to work after grad school in the u.s to like the being married to me visa and all of that is still ongoing and there were lawyers fees and so many friggin' forms and the poor guy still can't go back to the uk and visit his family oh no it's so they take so long they take so long like genuine advice for anyone anyone who marries someone from another country like hire your immigration lawyer immediately um (laughs) we actually had a difficult time finding one um and we almost did the wrong things so like get a lawyer You, you need a lawyer um and um we tried to do a lot of the forms ourselves and it ended up going okay i think like i don't think we're like it seems like everything's going to be approved on knock on wood. It's not yeah. final. There, it's unlikely to go like horribly wrong, but it did take a lot longer. So I would advise people like if you can afford it, just have the lawyer do and do everything. Uh huh. Well, it will save you so much like difficulty. Like honestly, like we've been through a pandemic together, and the toughest thing for our relationship was the forms for the visa. I bet. Yeah. But does he have like um, a work authorization? At yeah, least? yeah. No. So he can work. Like, okay. with the pounds of the United States, it's equivalent to being him on being on a green card. But he hasn't gotten the parole permission thing to like go visit family. Right. He's yeah. not a free man. Yeah. It's it's terrible. Um, the U.S. immigration system is is awful, and I mean, like, we're best case scenario, right? We're like. It's not like an instance where like one of us is a refugee or right. like, you know, coming from a lot of poverty or yeah, from a country yeah. that the U.S. isn't allied with. This is like this is someone who came here like on a student visa to a prestigious university and married an American and is from an allied country and they're still doing all this. Yeah. So like it should be like a quick no brainer. Yeah. Kind of. It's not. It's really, really not. Um, Yeah, like it will be fine, but it was incredibly stressful. I mean, 
his permission to work came in like the day before uh like a couple days before their uh his permission to work from his student visa expired how stressful is that it was incredibly stressful oh my god it's terrible yeah i think they do it on purpose (laughs) i don't know um yeah the it's it's really really unpleasant (laughs) yeah okay so um once all that paperwork is through would you consider going back to the uk maybe but that's a whole other set of paperwork and lawyers and right because once we were here and we knew we were going to be together forever we were basically like okay do we want to be in the u.s or the uk because uh unfortunately we were dealing with all of that like while i was unemployed too Mm. which was awful um my my first job out of my master's was terrible never be the first hire at a nonprofit. okay Um, (laughs) yeah no seriously (laughs) genuine genuine advice for listeners have the first place you work have an hr department okay (laughs) Um, Okay. it wasn't the first job i ever had but like it was the first job i had where i wasn't like a like a student working a summer job the first like serious job yeah yeah it was was terrible anyway um right um so we were thinking about it and the thing is basically we're in a situation where for the u.s um, there's income requirements to sponsor someone, um, but you can get a family member to like co-sponsor someone's immigration. So I wasn't making enough money at the time mm-hmm. um, to sponsor my husband, but my mom was like, okay, yeah, I mean, he's not going to end up being a financial burden and you you make sense together and like yeah so she signed on to yeah sponsor Mm -hmm. but in the uk you can't do that and you have to Uh. prove that you've been making a certain amount of income which i think is even higher than the u.s for a certain length of time Um, okay and it's like it's a lot of money um like a lot a lot of money like you can be in a position where you're doing okay financially and it's still not enough money um Mm. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers and you technically can do it off savings, but it has to be like, it's a really high number for savings and the savings have to be all in the name of the person who's sponsoring for a long time. And you can't get co-sponsors. Um, and we're both relatively young and like, he was a student at the time and I, I had just graduated. Um, and so like, it was not financially tenable to do the going to the UK thing um, for him to sponsor me there. Mm -hmm. Um, And like that becoming something that's like financially possible is still pretty distant for us. Like if I got a really good job offer in the UK and he didn't have to sponsor me, sure. That'd be great. I would move back to the UK. Um, I like it here. I mean, I really like Chicago specifically. um, and, And so does my husband um but no i mean we would be open to moving back to the uk someday but it's it's just like it's financially and legally complicated okay. i do not want to go through immigration stuff any um, like Anytime another time soon yeah um, yeah that's <laughs> understandable thing. you're still in it <laughs> still in yeah. the process the other yeah. way around and, and how was your reverse culture shock when you first came back to the to chicago I mean, it was super weird. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not originally from Chicago. Right. So I was moving to a really different part of the country too. Um, I don't know. It's really weird. I mean, it feels like a very different America than the one I left, but like mm. 
I mean, I was out of the country. I mean, I came back for vacations and stuff, but I didn't live in the country for the entire Trump administration and much of the pandemic. So yeah. it is a different country than what I left, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's weird, honestly. Um, I would say, like, the main things that have been, like, the reverse culture shock are, like, I mean, honestly, the healthcare system is a huge one. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, like... I feel like people here are more workaholics than in the UK. Okay, yeah. There's a different work and life balance. Yeah, yeah. Like Americans, I think a lot of them are like kind of workaholics. Um, but I think my, some of that might just be the fact that like I was in college when I was in the UK. So people were a little bit more chill. Um, but I mean, I work at a university now and it's very different than the university I went to. <laughs> okay. I hear that a lot that mostly from people who are from America and they moved to Europe. They said like the work and life balance in Europe is more chill because like yeah. at four o'clock they go home and then the work day is over. Yeah. Versus- I would say it's like four o'clock in the UK, but no, but it, it I think it is more of like a, uh, there's a certain level of more like workaholicness, but I don't know. I mean, there's some nice things like, um, people are pretty like friendly and outgoing here. I mean, part of that is like, it's the Midwest. So it's like a part of the U S that's like notorious for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Like it's more than where I grew up right on the East coast. Right. Um, Oh, and then the other thing is the public transit isn't as good. Yeah. But you're in Chicago. You are like, you're still in the top three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, within the city, it's good. Although I live on the south side. And if I want to get to other places on the south side, it's a nightmare. Like I have to go through downtown. Okay. And that's like, a, I don't know, takes some time, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm not takes- that familiar with Chicago. I've been there once and that's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, but it's mainly like if I want to go to like a small town that's like, you know, 50 miles outside the city it's much harder here than it would be in the UK. Right. Mm. Um, like in the parts of Scotland I was living in, like even really small towns, a lot of the time had bus access and things in a way where there isn't really here. Yeah. I mean, especially in the suburbs, there is no, you have to get it. You have to have a car just to get to the bus stop. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm still like, um, in the process of learning how to drive. And I mean, it doesn't in the neighborhood where we live in Chicago, it doesn't make financial sense to drive or to own a car. Mm -hmm. But it is a weird thing. Like when we go on vacation. um, You know, Uh, but it's funny, though, because we've gotten really into like taking Amtrak places. uh, Uh Because we both really enjoy like long train rides and stuff. But it's very funny, because we went to like, like about a year ago, we went to St. Joseph, Michigan, um, which is a lovely little town on Lake Michigan and is, is mm-hmm. accessible by train. Um, but I think they expect you to, even if you come by train to like rent a car, because okay. we got in there and it's definitely walking distance from the train station to our hotel. Like it was like uh-huh. a 15 minute walk and it was raining, but it's like, well, it's okay. We're going to somewhere warm and yeah. dry, right? You just get wet. Yeah. I think that's also part of like the UK is like, you just yeah, drop the it's, okay. it's, it's just water. It's just water, right? Like, yeah. but 
we showed up right at like the hotel check-in desk with just like backpacks having been in the rain with no car and they were like are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, what have you done? Here, uh, everything's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. and like this has happened too. Like where we've gone to places by train, where we're like staying in a place that's technically a motel because a lot of like more affordable hotels are motels here, right? And they're like, I have to tell, and they're always like. They always try and give you the like sticker for your car or, or tell you where to park like five right, times. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. We don't have a car. You don't have to tell us where to put the car. We do not have a car. <laughs> yes, and then they give you that that uh, paper where you have to fill out the license plate. <laughs> it's like we don't have a car. Yeah. We took the train here. <laughs> How? But is it also um a lot more expensive in the U.S. to travel by train? Isn't it? I've no honestly no? Um, british trains are really expensive they mm, did a, like okay. a weird like semi-privatization thing uh-huh. um and in the u.s you can actually get really good deals on amtrak especially like in and out of chicago because a lot of the trains are really long oh, distance trains okay. like the, maybe you have to live in chicago yeah <laughs> no like, I'm from the east coast and amtrak is like more expensive there but like no i mean We're going like from here to Buffalo for two people for like a hundred dollars. That's not bad at all. Yeah, no, it's really not that bad. Um, plus, uh, there's a problem here where the trains get delayed constantly, but then you can get your money back from Amtrak. So okay. I haven't paid full price in quite some time because I keep getting vouchers from previous delayed right. trips. And but do you um have to transfer? I mean, or do you always take direct trains? Uh, basically always direct. I mean, the thing is that there aren't that many routes that intersect, especially in this part of the country. So we usually plan around where you can get by train, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. All right. So you're planning accordingly. You're not going to take like something com complicated. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, because the thing is like, that's one of the issues with the American train system is that like, there just aren't that many intersections between the train lines, especially in the middle of the country, except in Chicago. Like, Like, if you want to get from the West Coast to the East Coast, you're almost inevitably going to have to go through Chicago. Like, But that is good for you, so you have more options. Oh, yeah, it's great for us. It's yeah. terrible for the rest of the yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, to take trains in this country, you have to treat it as being about the journey, kind it's of. A, a yes, exactly. It's an adventure. Some of the ones on the East Coast that are more efficient and less commonly delayed yeah. and stuff. Um, No, I mean, and the train system in the UK is definitely better. Like it goes to a lot more places. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also, honestly, a lot of the time it is, I think, more expensive. Um, but I think if I was on the East Coast of the US, it would be more comparable. And um, just um, circling back, back when you were in the UK, um, yeah. I had this one more question. Um, how did people usually react to you? I mean, you already said like they expected to you that uh, expected of you that you're really outgoing. Yeah. But uh, did they have like a general idea about Americans? Yeah, I mean, it, I was in the interesting position of like, so St. Andrews, where I went to college, is like 15% North American students. Okay. So mm -hmm. 
I was hardly ever the first American someone had met or even like the first American they interacted with that day necessarily. Um, I mean, there were like stereotypes of like Americans specifically at St. Andrews, which were like that you studied international relations, which I didn't. I studied psychology and modern history. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were certain, there were definitely some Americans who like mostly hung out with other Americans. And I absolutely wasn't that like only a couple of my friends from college are American. Um, But like, I mean, I think that this, that was sort of like the main things people assumed about Americans, I guess, specifically for like American students at St. Andrews, they sort of assumed you had money mm-hmm. uh, because, and that's not a totally unfair assumption because St. Andrews is a wonderful university, but is not great about scholarships for foreign students. Uh, okay. Like there are, there are a lot of scholarships like, and, and different like, pricing structures and the loan system works differently and everything if you are british or even european um but if you're from the rest of the world there just aren't that many scholarships that would allow you to go to st andrews that you're that you're eligible for um so i would say that's sort of the main thing i guess also like people expect americans to like dress a certain way that's different than brits Uh uh-huh but i mean a lot of this is true like like the whole like wearing um, leggings and like athletic gear when you're not going to the gym mm-hmm. is much more common among yeah. Americans than it is among like people in the UK or at least people at St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, leisure. Yeah. Athleisure stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say those are sort of the main things. I mean, it was definitely interesting to be there during like the 2016 election. I bet. Because yeah. I mean, did you get a lot of confrontation about like, hey, um, no, how did I they mean, vote like that? No, it's not really confrontation. Like during the election, it was mostly like Brits mocking the Americans. Yeah. But once it had already, like once it happened, there was mostly a level of like, I'm sorry, are you okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. Yeah, which was which was interesting. But it, was it was it kind of overwhelming? I mean, that reaction, I mean, that you got that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find it that overwhelming. I think because there were enough Americans there that we sort of shared the load, right? Right. Um, and it, it all felt extremely surreal because like um after the 2016 election, I mean, that was in November and I didn't go home until December, right? um fair, fairly late december because of when the vacations were um and it was it was so strange like when i when I, my plane touched down in boston i was like it's it's still here right mm-hmm. um um yeah um it was it was odd honestly um but like it was also funny because like I constantly had this thing of like when I was in the UK, people would ask me to explain Trump. And when I was in the US, people would ask me to explain Brexit. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And I mean, I have a YouTube channel about political psychology, so I can go into depth about these things. But the answer to both is mostly racism. Um, okay. What is the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, political Psych with Abby. Okay. And... Um, I make sure um, that I will put this in the show notes that everybody can check this out. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's interesting yeah. stuff. I really enjoyed the environmental anxiety episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um. Yeah, but because like when I um when I um for example read comments about um, Americans and the expat channel in um or the subreddit, mm. and it is always politically, you know, like everybody like when they say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave America. I live in Europe." It is always um just about political reasons yeah i mean it wasn't that for me um that that's not why i left i mean i'm one of those try and stay and make it better until you have to run people uh -huh. um and by until you have to run that is something i i keep track of my my family is um is european jewish um mm -hmm. and like my grandmother fled the nazis mm -hmm. so like um I can tell you, I, I know exactly where my passport is at all times. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but um, what was I going to say? No, I mean, I didn't move for political reasons. Um, and there's this whole issue of like, I think people think like, oh, if you don't love it, you can leave it. But like, it is actually really hard to immigrate to a different country. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I had an easier situation than most, right? Because I was like on a student visa. Um which is one of the, at least if you're from like a allied country, one of one of the easier visas to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I guess yes. But like it is, it is genuinely hard to move to a different country for most people, right? So yeah, I mean, I didn't move for political reasons. It's funny though because like a lot of things in the UK are really politically bad, especially like since I moved back to the. I mean, it had been going downhill for a long time, but mm -hmm. like since I moved back to the U S it's funny. Like I used to apologize to my husband. I'm like, I'm sorry. I brought you to this country. It's, it's going crazy. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm getting news from the UK. I'm not sorry anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think that too. It's like, especially in Europe, like the political climate is bad at most places. It just gets yeah, worse I and worse lately. A lot of the time people don't realize, right? Like, there are things that are better in the UK politically, right? Like, they have gun control, they have universal health care, these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But, like, their politics is, is trending into some, like, frighteningly rightward directions right now. And, yeah. like, the limitations they have on protest there and that sort of thing is, like, really upsetting. Yeah. Um, um, they're dismantling a lot of their environmental policies, like, Things are not going well yeah. in UK politics right now. But I think the issue is like a lot of Americans, and this isn't really like individuals' faults. A lot of it has to do with like media coverage and things. A lot of Americans are really not aware of what's happening in the rest of the world politically. Yeah, I mean, it's true. So I guess, it's, yeah, I guess there's this idea like, at least about like most countries in like Western Europe where you just sort of assume, well, it must be better there because I'm not hearing about it. <laughs> Yeah, but I, exactly, it's true. Like the media coverage is really limited on unless something really bad happens or something yeah. really big happens. Yeah. Versus like the other way around, I feel in in Europe, people always know what's going on here. Oh yeah, no, I have a friend from college who's from South Africa, uh, and she was just like, "I'm just so sick of hearing American news. Like, it doesn't affect me. I mean, it doesn't affect me that much. And there's not very much I can do about it. And I just want to be paying attention to the news that's like." of what's like happening in my home country, which I can actually like affect and, and do things about. And I'm like, that's totally fair. I mean, like to some extent what happens in America, like does affect everywhere. Right. But 
it shouldn't be the the duty of random people half a world away to know or care about yeah. what's happening in American it's, politics that much, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Like we watch, um, and sometimes we watch like um, the German equivalent of John Oliver here, like yeah. satire shows. Yeah, and a lot of times it's American topics. It's you know, it's like yeah. American politics, and I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> I already yeah. heard that in English. Now I can listen to it again in German. Yeah, I think part of that is like that American culture is is so influential globally, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because like I'll have people be like, and, and like friends who aren't native English speakers, they'll be like, your accent is so easy to understand because you sound like TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Yes, this is how it sounds. That's true. I mean, Americans will describe my accent as chronic NPR voice, but... Oh, that's, a, that's a compliment. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and But since you, you are back in the US, is there anything that you miss from the UK? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I miss really old stuff. Like, I'm a huge history geek. Um, okay. And there's some really cool old stuff in the U.S. Because um, there's, like, you know, really fascinating stuff from, like, Native American cultures and stuff. But, like, a lot of that's not as well preserved. Mm. Uh, so I miss a lot of the really old buildings and stuff. Um, so I, I miss that kind of thing. Um, I miss savory pies like that. That's a big thing. That I miss okay. Food <laughs> okay. Um, hey, Thanksgiving like, is coming up. <laughs> Maybe yeah, should like, make like a savory one. A mushroom pie. Like that's not mm. really something you get here as much. I mean, I miss fish and chips. I mean, I miss fish a lot, but I think that's like just living in the Midwest, having lived on coasts my whole life. Right. But um, I guess you can. I mean, I was. I was just thinking, like, you can't get that anywhere, <laughs> but um, maybe not in Chicago. I don't know. Lake fish and, like, you can get frozen salmon. I have frozen, I, I mean, I obviously I cooked it, but, like, I had frozen salmon for dinner tonight. Yeah. Um, but, like, more fish and, like, fresher fish is not really something mm. you can get as much. Um, so I guess those are sort of the main things. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are definitely, I think it's mostly people I miss, like specific friends of okay. mine. Stuff yeah. There. Um, yeah, I would say it's, it's mostly like people. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, and obviously the, the good public transit I miss. Yeah. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I would say that's sort of the main stuff. Um, one of my first episodes I made, I also had an American woman. She moved to England and she said the a thing that she cannot get used to it, that the um, the British people always run into you. They don't look where they're going. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I really had that issue so much. I mean... I'm very clumsy, so I, I run into people sometimes wherever I am, um, and uh, my husband and I tend to bump into each other a lot, but I'm very clumsy, and he has dyspraxia, so I don't think that's really a cultural thing. Okay. Um, I thought, yeah. I thought like, you had that experience, too, because I never heard of that before. No, I don't really think so um, as much. I mean, it might, it probably depends on like where in the UK you're living. I don't know. It's not really an experience I had. I mean, 
Um, I mean, when I was living in Scotland, I mean, like I was in a pretty small town, so there tended to be a fair amount of space. Um, and then I was living in England, but during a global pandemic where people were social distancing, people were not really bumping into each other very much. Um, I will say the worst thing in terms of like people being in my way that I experienced when I was in the UK is that St. Andrews has like a very famous golf course. I think it might be like the oldest in the world or something. Uh, Okay. And, uh, golf tourists are the world's worst tourists. Um, and I say that as someone who has worked in the tourism industry, uh-huh. um, and they would stand like on fairly narrow sidewalks with their golf bags sideways, just like blocking the entire sidewalk okay. while people were trying to get to class. But like, those were mostly not Brits. Like a ton of those were like Americans. <laughs> okay. It's just a bit of bulky bags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being on my podcast. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, I hope you do really well on your YouTube channel. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I just got to, um, I got to over a thousand subscribers. A couple oh, that's of awesome. <laughs> so that it's is. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a big yeah. achievement. <laughs> yeah, I think the next one's going to be about the dangers of looking at politics in terms of polarization. So I don't know if that'll be out before this episode comes out. <laughs> um, probably. Um, I will, I will we'll probably take a Yeah, that was Abby's experience of studying in the UK and moving back to the US as an adult and bringing back a husband that also needs a lot of paperwork, which is never fun. Uh, Yeah, make sure to check out her YouTube channel that you can find in the show notes. And yeah, I will be back with a new episode next Thursday. Until then, you can find all other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like this show, please leave a good review. And yeah, also feel free to reach out at worldscollide123pod at gmail.com. Or you can also find me on Instagram, Worlds Collide Pod, one word. Uh, yeah, maybe you also want to tell me your story. And I also want to say thank you to Search Corando for the music. I will, or no, you will hear from me next week. Bye bye. See you soon. Hear you soon.